First, a thought about today, which has really very little to do with my sermon, but I want to share it with you anyway. Beginning in the sixth century, January 1st was a holy day with the title, The Circumcision of Jesus. For the first 18 years of my priesthood, that made my task, and even more, that of Sunday school teachers, rather difficult. How do you teach young children, especially boys, about that fact, about the circumcision of Jesus? I was more than grateful when, in 1979, the church changed the name of the day, replacing the circumcision with one which also dates from the sixth century, the holy name of Jesus. What a relief. That's probably enough about that. Now for the sermon. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Think of how meaningful a name can be. Many of you know my name is Alfred. But when I was born, since my father's name was Alfred and two of my cousins were also Alfred, to lessen the confusion, my parents called me Freddy. <laughs> One day, in no uncertain terms, I said something to the effect that I was no longer a little boy in short pants, but now being older and having my first pair of longies on, I wanted to be called Alfred, because that was my real name. It meant a lot to me that that was my father's name, and I was so proud to be his son. When I saw that I was scheduled to be the preacher on Holy Name Day, I called my son, Father Al Jr., to suggest that we might share something in a sermon, a particular story which I find very meaningful, and he agreed. So he included this story in his sermon in South Carolina on Christmas Eve, and I'm sharing with you today in Rhode Island. But there is one major difference in our sermons. In good Southern tradition, his is about twice as long as mine. <laughs> A bit of background. From medieval times and lasting well into the 20th century, it was customary for small groups called waits to go from door to door on Christmas Eve singing carols, in return for which they were often rewarded with food or money. Singers from church choirs would go to sing for their priest while standing outside the parish rectory. So now, the story. In 1859, the Reverend Frederick Dan Huntington was a prominent Unitarian minister in Boston, having the important post of preacher to Harvard College. In a letter to his sister, he wrote this. After the house had become still, about 10.30 at night, as I was sitting in my study preparing for the holy duties of Christmas Day, Suddenly, delightful music and youthful voices broke under my window. I raised the curtain and saw a group of singers 
muffled in cloaks and shawls with lanterns under the sparkling stars in the frosty night air, pouring out Christmas carols. At first, I puzzled to take them out, but I noticed that whenever they spoke the name of Jesus, they bowed their heads. The effect was remarkable, as if I had been transported back into the ages of old romance and faith. On going out to meet the strangers, they proved to be from the Church of the Advent in Boston. They'd gone to sing at the rectory, but then hearing that there was another minister nearby, and while not knowing who he was or what his religious, religious affiliation might be, they decided to include him as well. There are two wonderful footnotes to that story. First, that Christmas Eve experience led Dr. Huntington to learn more about the Episcopal Church and eventually into the priesthood. In 1869, he was chosen to be the first bishop of the newly organized Diocese of Central New York. The second footnote is that his younger son, James, was not only a priest, but the founder of the Order of the Holy Cross, the first American and now largest order of monks in the Episcopal Church. Why tell that story? It's not just because some devout choristers bowed their heads when they spoke the name of Jesus or had such an effect on someone so long ago. In fact, I suspect members of that church choir would be flabbergasted if you told them what their simple act of devotion brought about. I think the lesson is that what you and I do or don't do may have powerful effects on others far beyond our intentions or even imagination. There's a wonderful painting by Norman Rockwell, which some of you may remember. It's set in what looks like a small town restaurant, probably Stockbridge, Massachusetts. An older woman and young boy, perhaps her grandson, are sharing a table for four with two young men, one with a lighted cigarette dangling from his mouth. The two young men stare with curiosity as the woman and boy fold their hands and bow their heads and say grace. To paraphrase the great English priest poet John Donne, no one is an island. We are members one of another. We have the potential of influencing others in ways which may bring them closer to God or drive them further away. A simple act of devotion, such as bowing one's head at the holy name, or in the presence of others quietly saying grace before a meal, may speak more powerfully than many sermons. My sisters and brothers, as today we celebrate a holy day in honor of the name of Jesus, may we all give some thought to the ceremonies or customs which are a part of who we are and how they may speak to others because they do. 
Amen.